Hey, hey, Dean Lawton here, back introducing the YVR Remo Show to, to all of our valued listeners. We're th really thrilled about this one, and I'm, me personally, continuing on with my passion of construction financing. This is episode three of the construction financing series, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. I know I did, and I know our partners, uh, Derek and Alex, also enjoyed this one. We have the pleasure of sitting down with one of the most knowledgeable individuals in the construction space that I have ever come across. Jake, who is the president of Kenora Design and Build, is going to join us today, and he's going to dive through the entire design budget and building process of building a residential home. Now, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. It's really incredible how many mistakes happen before the shovels even break ground, and we dive all into that. And you know, after after uh, listening to this episode. It would be difficult to mess up this process of building a home. I, I truly believe that the amount of information that Jake shares with us, his thoroughness of the going through the process and the planning stage uh, will really set you up for success. And we can't wait to share this one with you. So let's dive in and and take this one in. And, uh, and again, I, I know you're going to enjoy it. So before we do, one quick reminder for those of you that enjoy this show if you're getting something out of this show if you're learning something from from this show we would really appreciate a review it's why we do this we love educating our clients we love educating the public around financing real estate and now construction this is just something that again this is a passion of ours and for us to keep doing this we really really feed off of those five-star reviews so if you can give us a review we really appreciate it and again as a reminder for everyone that gives us a review we have a beautiful thrive mug coming at you and some delicious coffee from our, our uh, partners at republica coffee roasters so enjoy and again leave us that review if you like it thanks what's up guys you are listening to the ybr remo show where we talk all things vancouver real estate and mortgages take boring topics and make them interesting make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket create wealth in real estate and simplify the complicated all right let's get into it further on uh the road of construction financing we thought let's bring in an expert at uh all things building construction design so we brought jake down uh, from Kenora Construction Design, which we're very excited to have down on the show today. And, and Jake, uh, you know, it works in, in commercial and he works in residential. So he's got a lot of experience and he's going to help us understand a lot about, you know, the whole process, but more importantly, things to look out for, uh, some concerns around cost per square foot. Jake, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate you coming on and joining us today. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. So, you know, we talked a little bit in the intro about Kenora, but why don't you give us kind of a little overview from your perspective? How did you get involved with the company? Um, where are you guys located? Tell us a little about you guys. I got involved in the construction industry at an illegally young age when I was cheap labor for my dad uh, back in Calgary in the 80s. And uh, we moved to Lower Mainland when I was a little kid and I've been here ever since. So I went to university uh, Trinity Western to get a business degree to make sure I never had to work a day in construction again. Um, and halfway through that business degree, I was like, I kind of miss construction. I like the tangible aspect of building something. So I decided to get into there. I liked service. I like people. I like construction. So decided to kind of bring that together and uh, and get into the construction industry right after my undergrad. So I was 06. Um, 
I started a company with my dad and we started a firm out in the Fraser Valley that we merged later with Kenora. This is six or seven years ago now. Uh, so the previous owner of Kenora is, is retired, but it was a bringing together of two companies at that point. Um, and that's what we do. We do integrated design build. So what that means is uh, rather than homeowners going to a design firm and a construction firm separately and you know, we always play, we always jokingly say they play pinball between the two. Uh, we try to provide a different option, which brings those two together. So it's a, in our view, a much more collaborative way of approaching home renovations, custom homes and uh, commercial interiors. So that's, that's what we do. And we're, we're based, our office is in Coquitlam. We have a little satellite in Squamish that serves the sea to sky, but uh, our projects essentially are from Squamish to Abbotsford is, is kind of where most of our work takes place. So you guys have seen a fair amount of different types of projects. Uh, we started off talking about the fact that you guys have done, um, you know, some residential, uh, some renovations, uh, but you've also touched in commercial. Uh, do you have any niches that you guys focus on in terms of uh, construction or is it more of a style? It really is. If I look at what we do, um, when it comes to the commercial end, we have one project manager, project manager dedicated to that. A lot of our commercial has kind of ended up being professional office spaces, um, restaurants, and medical, dental, personal health kind of offices. So that's kind of our niche. Uh, not typically gigantic multi-floor downtown high rise, you know, 30,000 square foot, but more. Uh, we like to work, our, our goal is always to work with either the homeowner or the business owner. So if we're at the level where we can deal with business owners to make their space come to life for homeowners. In the residential end of things, uh, I would say that the, the, if I were to take our mid-level project, a lot of our work is whole home renovations. So whether that's a interior gut redo, an addition, or you know, a whole house, that's a lot of what we do. We, do, we go from bathrooms to whole houses, but a lot of our work is kind of that more substantial size renovation. And when it comes to custom homes, uh, we like to say that we are a, a quality builder. Uh, we're not necessarily gonna be building your $20 million waterfront homes. And we're not uh, throwing up spec box houses for the market. We're trying to hit that quality uh, for the homeowner who wants to live in it. So uh, that's kind of usually the spot in the market. If someone says, I want to build this to flip it next month, I say, you're probably very price driven. Uh, you're probably looking to just put lipstick on this house and flip it. Uh, we're, we like working with homeowners to bring value to make sure that it's something that they can enjoy and really targeting that. And while you say that, I mean, that sounds like something that's massively um, growing right now with the pandemic and people wanting to, you know, get out of strata properties and into detached or people that are in detached wanting to renovate and just make their home um, a little bit more comfortable, right? Have you guys seen uh, a spike in your business for home renovations? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we're fortunate we've been around Kenora started in 1980. So it's, you know, it's hard to sometimes sift through the weeds of what's a referral and what's, you know, a new surge of work uh, and what's fueled by interest rates and what's fueled by shifting homeowner demands. Uh, but I, I have seen that in general, the trend is people want some space. And, and I think people have, as we're all sitting in our houses right now doing this, people want to enjoy where they live. Uh, and they we've all been cooped up a little bit in our houses in the last year, but I think people have learned to say, okay, this is where we're gonna stay. We wanna make this work way better for ourselves. We want outdoor living spaces, that's a big thing, home offices, or just open up the space because we're excited for after, after pandemic times to have people over to enjoy the space we call home. 
Um, and I'm not sure whether that's driven by people's, you know, wondering of when is travel really going to be affordable and realistic? Who, you know, how far out is that? In the meantime, let's put our money where there's a good solid investment and let's make our house more enjoyable. So we've definitely seen that trend. One thing I I heard you say right at the beginning is just the fact that you kind of take the design element of this process and, and pair it with actually building the product. I find in, in our business doing a lot of construction financing, one of the biggest mistakes we see is that clients just quickly jump to a design firm, some sort of an architect that maybe they know or, or were referred to. And then they design this home that ultimately is far more expensive to build than they think. You know, the fact that you pair those two together, maybe you can just talk on that a little bit and how that's made your business more efficient or, or was that something you did from the very beginning? It wasn't, it was driven by necessity because what we found was exactly what you're saying. Uh, homeowners would get excited about a build, right? They would look at, we're going to buy this piece of, you know, greenfield development and build here or tear down and redo whatever the case may be. They get excited. Uh, they get some ballpark numbers from an architect, a realtor, a builder of like cost per square foot. They say X amount per square foot times X amount of square feet. That's our budget. Okay. And then they just get a house built around that square foot and that are designed. And then they come to a builder and we break their hearts by saying, so how did you get this design what discussions have you had with your architect along the way what are your you know what's the, your financial reality with your target investment what are we you know what parameters are you working with here because um you know there's a lot of play this the, these drawings don't tell the story of what this house is going to cost and then or times where they give I, I have had so many examples of homeowners working with a design firm from the very beginning. And it's a sad story that gets played out over and over where they hire a really talented designer. So this is not a knock on the architect or the designer's capabilities, but the architect, when you hire them without a builder there, you're essentially paying them to put your dreams on paper, right? You're, they are the visualists, they are the creatives, and they're gonna pair that with the engineering realities and take your ideas and, and put it, boil it down to drawings that you can submit for permit. Uh, but what I see over and over and over is the discussions of budget are either based on the prehistoric, you know, dollar per square foot number that the architect has been using for 10 years uh, because they don't build. Most architects, when they're not in a design build format, some will have very good collaborative relationships where they can get good feedback from their builders. A lot just design the houses, give it to the homeowner and say, good luck with your build, sir, ma'am. And, and then they move on to the next because they, if you think about it, they make their profit from designing the product efficiently, handing it over and then moving on to the next. That's you know the reality of, of what a design service would be without the integration. So all that to say, we we were forced to really bring in design along. This is 10 plus years ago because we said every single time we start these discussions, the, you know, the it's not fitting. There's a square peg in a round hole here. They're, the budget is so misaligned from what the actual cost of this is going to be that we're shrinking houses, we're redesigning houses, we're pulling the permit out from Q in the city, getting it redesigned and resubmitting it. So it was unfortunately just out of necessity. But then we learned the value of really being able to work towards an aligned budget from day one and designing within those parameters. So uh, that's quite, there was a lot there to take on, obviously, but you know, the biggest thing right off the bat is one of the, the first mistakes that people make, obviously, is going directly to design without having a conversation with uh, a builder or 
you know, someone who is involved in the construction process. So you got to kind of marry that understanding of what you can do or can't do versus what the design is. And obviously a lot more there, which is quite interesting. So like from a, from a, a high level perspective, um, what you guys do is unique, marrying the two together. Uh, but like getting into the process of, of the building, what, what are in your mind, the first few steps that, that someone should even consider, you know, taking when they're starting to talk to you guys, like, do you ever turn people around and say, Hey guys, like, here's a couple things that you have to do first before we have this conversation. What does that look like for you? So I think the the big thing is actually when homeowners come, uh, I, I, it's, it's a bit of a dance to, I, you don't want to be disrespectful and say, how many dollars do you have? Because there's a view that a contractor is going to, you know, milk a homeowner for all they're worth when it comes to, you know, get it, extracting every last dollar. So there is an understood reservation where I want to respect the fact that I, I don't own the rights to, you know, ask them how many dollars they have. But I try to inform them on you need to meet with a mortgage broker and or someone or your banker or someone to understand what a, I always tell homeowners, the last thing you want to do is build your dream house and then hate living in it because the amount you're paying every month is taking the joy away from living in this house. So let's start from square one and look at how many dollars are you ballpark? Are you, you know, you need a range before you start talking to people of understanding what you can live with because we can build a house at a very low cost, a smaller, more basic house. And if you have more money, we can add the niceties, the size, the beautiful, luxurious finishes. So we we've built houses in the last year at 600,000 and 3 million. They're both high quality houses, but one is more basic and suited to the budget that that individual had. So I always tell homeowners, figure out what you're working with when with parameters. And if you're talking to builders, uh, really figure out how their process works. Don't just ask. And a big thing I always tell people is, you know, homeowners will come to me and ask, well, how many dollars a square foot do you charge? And I say, we don't charge by the square foot. Nobody, nobody charges by the square foot. Dean pushes on this one all the time uh, to a lot of our clients and talks about the square foot uh, uh, myth. And, and, you know, there's a few other builders that we've talked to that said the same sort of thing. I mean, Dean, you know, what, what's, what's the type of feedback that you t- typically hear from our clients around that? And Jake, maybe you can comment in on that after. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, is they'll pick up the phone and call six builders and ask them, what is your cost per square foot? And it's funny, it's like, what, well, to your point, like, we don't even build that way. And, and to a lot of other builders point, it's like, well, well, what's included in that? Like, do you want blinds? Do you want appliances? Like, are you expecting to be landscaping? Like, there's so much that gets excluded from that question. And I think that's something we really wanted to dive deep on today, because the, the numbers we see for the same home it is wild. Like, and part of our process is, is we need to, we need a budget to get you financed and that budget needs to be bang on like to the penny. And so when we see like four different quotes that are completely different from each other, we're just like, how is this pro how does this even happen? Like, so I'd love to hear your, your opinion on that. That's a, one of the biggest uh, challenges I think that homeowners are faced with because um, they, they call us and they say, how many dollars a square foot? And I say, well, you know, I, I kind of have jokingly used the uh, analogy of, well, you can buy uh, Hyundai Sonata at a certain amount of dollars per square foot or a Rolls-Royce Phantom. They're the same size. So what, how many dollars a square foot is a, is a Hyundai Sonata or a 
20 year old Chevy Cavalier and how much is a Rolls Royce? We're talking size and dollars. That's not an equation that helps you determine what you're going to buy when it comes to most things. Um, so the, the same is true with a, a house. So I always tell homeowners, you need to look at, there's two major things. How, if you want to, I, I wouldn't say that, that the, at a very high level, a cost per square foot discussion is horrible because it serves some purpose if you trust who you're talking to and you understand the playing field that you're playing on. So first of all, I say, let's talk about how I would do it because I don't like, um, there, there's a lot of games that builders can play. Uh, they could say, well, it's this amount per square foot. Oh, like on an average for build. Oh, plus basements. Oh yeah, that doesn't include covered areas. Oh, not the detached garage or the attached garage or the landscaping or the demolition or the permits of the design or the engineering or the appliances or the furnishings. Well, that doesn't serve any good to anyone. That's not a number that helps you. I think what most homeowners care about is how many dollars are going to leave my bank account from the day I say go till the day I move in? And what am I getting? So the dollar per square foot should be reflective of that. The problem is that's all encompassing and builders are scared to give that number out because that would look higher than the guy who's stripping away all the other you know, frivolous numbers like demolition, asbestos abatement, all these other numbers they don't want to include because that bumps it up. So what we do is I, I would encourage homeowners to, if you're going to talk to a builder, find out a few things. First of all, and this is a little bit sideways from the cost per square foot, but I'll get there. Figure out how they actually structure their construction agreement because is how do they make their money? My favorite question that homeowners ask is how do you make your money? Because what shocks me is when a homeowner gets to the end and they still don't know what a cost plus versus fixed price agreement is. They don't know how they got to the number that they have. So when we're talking cost per square foot, figure out how the builder is going to actually make their profit on that project and what calculation and metric is used and what commitments are there in construction. There's a lot there to, to think about. And I think what you're hitting there is the value proposition there, Jake. And that's so many different areas of life. I, you know, honestly, one thing that rings true really quickly here is we talk a lot about uh, getting a lawyer or a notary when it comes to financing. And it's the one place that people are always like, oh, what's the cheapest one? Or, or what, you know, what is their cost for legal fees? And they'll go to talk to one notary and the notary be like, oh, it's only $499. But then at the end of the day, they've got this fee and that fee and this fee and this fee and this fee and ends up being 1200 bucks. Or they can go and talk to a lawyer or notary that just says, yeah, it's $1,100. It happens everywhere. And it's surprising to hear, or maybe it isn't surprising just because it's such a mysterious industry for a first-time builder or first-time renovator that, that that is still the primary way that people look at it. So how do you best, like, is there a way or like a rule of thumb? Is there anything that you tell people off the bat to like help them understand like a general overview? Uh, do you have any like kind of rules of thumb that you recommend using? Or is that kind of like, no, no, there isn't one. It's 100% subjective. Like, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, I think level the playing field, figure out as a homeowner, how you're going to ask your builder to clarify if you want to have a rough gauge, because you, you want to understand, I can show you a house that's really basic. And you would look at that and say, okay, I understand that would be a lower cost per square foot than a house that's very elaborate. So you, you need to understand, first of all, how they're going to charge and how that con construction contract works. But if you want to get a rough ballpark, uh, first of all, I wouldn't ask a builder how much they charge per square foot because 
Uh, it's more a metric to help you budget. Um, it's not necessarily, there is going to be no agreement signed that says this many per square foot. At least if there is, that's a very dangerous you know, way to proceed. Look at, ask them, you know, to look at a house that they've built and say, okay, can you show me one on the website or pictures of one or an address and that's similar to what you like? And then I would ask, how many dollars did that cost for design, construction, permits, landscaping, what I see all included, because that can give you, and then you can do the math yourself, because a lot of times if you ask builders, what do you charge a square foot? There is unfortunately, a, a, they're compelled to try to make it sound low, uh, because there is so many numbers floating around in the industry, whether it's, you know, I, I, my builder can build for 150, or I thought a house is going to cost 350. Well, that's a gigantic difference, right? Those numbers, you know, if you look at a, a house that's 3,000 square feet, and one builder says, oh, ours usually cost 150 a square foot. And another builder says, oh, you know, minimum is 400. We're talking almost you know, triple the price. That, that doesn't help you make an informed decision as to what your build is going to cost. So I would, I would, I like to show homeowners here, you know, I was talking with a gentleman yesterday about a house he wants to build in Burnaby. It's, you know, a roughly 7,000 square feet, nice level of finish. And I showed him another one that was very similar, same kind of features, finishes. And I said, this is what this house cost. You can do the math, divide it by the square footage and get a number, and that might help you. Um, so I, I think try to level the play field by figuring out, understanding that there's a lot of ways a builder can phrase it. So maybe present the information, including the build, including these things, what would it cost to build this house? Yeah, those are all really good suggestions. Um, one thing that kind of sparked my mind when you were going all through this, we're talking about costs and, and different contracts and different ways to structure a build. Um, so for everybody listening, uh, you know, for builders, companies like yourselves, obviously there's a cost to hire you guys to actually mm -hmm. contract your property. Um, what are the typical ways that a, a, a builder would charge? Yeah, there's, I, I would probably break it down to three main ones. The first uh, would be what's called a cost plus agreement. So cost plus agreement is you agree to pay the builder's cost plus a percent markup. So, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, depending on the size of the house, let's say it's going to be in the 10 to 20 something percent range. I mean, I'm keeping it very variable because I don't want to, you know, limit what a contractor does or should charge. Whatever that percent is, the, the agreement is, that the contractor can take the, their cost to build it and then add the markup. Um, and then they bill through their hours at agreed upon rates. This, the second contract structure would be uh, essentially a construction management fee. So in essence, you would be paying your contractor per month to or bi-weekly or whatever it would be, set fee for their profit and overhead. And then same thing, they bill up their hours and then variable on the on the subtrades and costs. The third one, which is the one we almost exclusively use is a fixed price agreement. Um, and so what that means is, unfortunately, um, fixed price agreements aren't, I shouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately for the homeowner, it does, it does take a bit more work to get to the number because a fixed price agreement, you are agreeing to the number before you start construction, which means whether a homeowner likes it or not, there is a required amount of effort and time on the homeowner's part to make sure 
What brand, make, and model of your kitchen sink are you putting in? How many pot lights and where are the switches? Every, if you're going to sign a, a fixed price agreement, it needs to be based on a completely clearly defined scope of work. Um, so that's that's the three different types. So the, the the cost plus is variable. So there there will not be a commitment as to what the project will cost. There will be a commitment to how the the method in which the contractor's profit is made. Construction management, the construct the the contractor's profit might be fixed, but the whole cost of the project is variable. Um, and then the third is the fixed price based on a clearly defined scope of work and a budget. And then you sign the actual agreement. So the fixed price is actually the only one where you know before you start what it's going to cost. That sounds a lot more efficient too, because you put in all the work at the beginning and you kind of, you can get everything ordered. There's no delays and you don't have people in the light shop a couple of days before the lights are supposed to be installed. Right. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing that we're seeing with pandemic-related supply chain issues is good luck ordering your sink and expecting it to show up next week. Those days are gone. Yeah. Uh, so you should be ordering. Uh, we have appliances we order six months out. So why wouldn't, we, why wouldn't you as a homeowner figure out every single decision? We kind of joke that the design phase, the pre-construction phase, view it as the dating phase. You should be able to make changes, should be easier to get out of, you know, figure out the important things, and make your decisions. The construction is the big ticket. That's the big investment. If the design and pre-construction is roughly, you know, five to ten percent of the construction value, then the construction agreement is that's the big one. So you should probably put more time into the small investment to figure out the little things, and then enjoy the construction agreement because you've made the the details figured out and you know what you're getting. So that, that's the approach that we take and that's the rationale why. Those are great points actually that, you know what, the fact that what I'm hearing is like, and, and what I see is everyone's always so fixated on the cost, cost per square foot. What is this going to cost me? But in reality, you should be more concerned of what is the process going to look like? Because your, your team does have a, a unique process. I think it's a very organized process. I've been through it myself personally. And so I know what your process is, but I'd love for you to just touch on your process high level from a person literally coming in the door to designing their home and, and how, how you have certain team members that are doing certain legs of that, I guess, process, you could say, similar to how we run a mortgage transaction, having somebody on the team hold the baton for certain parts of the process and that are specialty you know, advisors on certain parts of the process. Maybe you can just touch on that a little bit because for me as a client looking to build a home, I, I wanna make sure my team knows exactly what they're doing and I wanna see the roadmap to get to occupancy, get to putting the keys in my, my hands. What I always tell homeowners is I, I pay the same for lumber at the same lumber store as another builder. The pipes that get put in the ground are the same cost regardless of who picks them up. So to build the same quality house within reason is going to cost more or less a, a similar amount of money. So it needs to be, you need to look at the process of the company you're going to work with and the commitments they make. So our process and how we do this is we start at the very beginning. So I, I typically, I own the company and I meet with clients uh, to discuss what they're looking for. So typically let's take the case of a custom house. A homeowner is looking to, to build a house. So I will chat with them. Uh, I'll meet with them again, virtually or in, or in person, depending on the circumstance. And we talk about what is, what are you looking for as a family or as an individual? What's your investment level? So what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Because 
if, like I said earlier, if you're trying to flip a house, that's a very different reality than if you're building this for your family to enjoy for a long time. So we, I try to figure out what they're looking for. And then I send a proposal uh, based on some discussions with them. So that proposal is going to outline two things, our design process and a cost for design, construction process, and a ballpark, ballpark range. And that's where the cost per square foot can be a valuable tool just to help them understand um, at least how we define it. So then they start the design process, assuming they look to proceed. They're signing a design agreement like they would with any design firm. So they're not committed to construction. We don't take a construction retainer. So we start the design process and I, we view it as a funnel. At the very beginning of design phase, there's a rough idea of scope of work and a rough idea of cost. Our job in the design phase is to narrow that funnel down. So we start with all the important things that aren't super fun, exciting, or sexy. Setbacks, zoning research, uh, hazmat testing for the demolition of the house, all the things that you may not want to do, but you really need to do. Um, that helps frame the parameters of what can we do? What if there's an easement? What if there's a water course? All of these issues that we don't want to gloss over. So then we start on the design. So then we have an architectural designer on staff full-time. So the architectural designer starts meeting with the homeowner and draws up based on the parameters and the budget. So we're, we're talking budget at the very beginning um, so that we're not going off the deep end and, and designing some 7,000 square foot mansion when the budget really should be towards a 3,200 square foot family house. Um, then we start the architectural design, 3D renderings, all of that fun stuff, really help them visualize what they're getting. But really, then we're bringing in at that same time, the project manager. So again, not at the end of design, we, we don't punt it over the fence to the construction team. The construction project manager is actually one of the guides of the design journey. Then they help just make sure that we're on track. We start narrowing down the construction costs by making the design decisions. Then we go to permitting, we take care of permitting, architectural design, interior design. And again, this is where it, it doesn't help to just pick the beautiful finishes and then figure out later what it's gonna cost. We wanna design within the context of what's your budget. So we're making decisions, cabinet design, all the interior design decisions. So that by the time permit is ready, because you know, in the in BC here, permits don't, you don't just walk in like we did in, in the old days where you'd walk in, submit for permit, give them $500, get your building permit. It's a complex process that takes months, months and months. So we have the, the opportunity of that time. We have a gap. So you as a homeowner have a gap of time where you can't do anything but plan. So let's figure everything out. Let's let's de define the scope of work, budget it, get the multiple quotes from the trades, bring in our partners so that by the time the city of whatever city you're living in calls and says, permit's ready to go, you know what it's going to cost. You have a detailed scope of work. You've seen a transparent budget, so you know our margins and you know the rates. You know exactly how many dollars for the $3,300 fireplace you chose and what type of roofing. And, and so sometimes homeowners go a little bit high because beautiful things cost more money. But then we can make those decisions if it's worth that investment in the design phase. Or we can bring it back down to reality and say, hey, here's an alternative that's going to get you back in line with that budget. So that when we start, they can actually enjoy the build rather than wonder every day, I wonder where this is going to end up. And I wonder if I have to go back to my bank two times or three times for more money during the course of this build. So that's that's kind of our approach and, and why we do it.
That was that, like very thorough. So if anybody walks away from this not understanding a clear approach on the, the building process, they need to go re-listen to that. That was perfect start to finish on that, Jake. Thank you so much. Um, just given that we have a limited amount of time with you today, I mean, I, well, a couple of things that I'm curious to know from your perspective, just with COVID, obviously, uh, we've seen, I, I don't know about Derek and Dean, I imagine it's probably the answer is going to be the same here, but I've never had so many people reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about building a house or, hey, like, uh, what's it take to build a house? And like often we usually would say, OK, well, one of the things we have to do is after we know you, you can get financing for it, you need to talk to a builder. You need to figure out what those costs are going to be. You need to plan that out. Um, like, is there, are, are you, first of all, quick, I guess, question. Are you finding a lot of that kind of person just waiting the waters? Are you getting a lot of those kind of calls right now? There is, a, I think, like, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's a multiple factors of interest rates combined with resale value of houses combined with the whole pandemic effect is kind of this perfect storm for people saying, yeah. I th and I think there's an end in sight of the pandemic and people are saying, I'm still employed. I, I, my, my house has risen in value or the dirt beneath my house has risen in value. I can do this now. Uh, so there is a lot of interest uh, more so than probably any other year. So with that being said, and having so much interest right now, you obviously are seeing a lot of people where you're like, no, you should not do this, or this is not a good fit for you, aside from the financial element we just discussed. So like, can you give us maybe a, even just like a short list of like a few things that right off the bat, it's like, this is not for you. Like if someone's listening to this and they hear, okay, that, that, that sounds like me. Are there any examples you can provide us where it's like that these people should not even go any further after a first consultation? There's a few things um, that I, I warn people about. Uh, first of all is if you're building to flip and you're in this market right now and you are not an experienced seasoned developer yourself, I don't know if that's a wise move because um, unless you, you know, you have to be careful of how you do that. Um, it's a large amount of capital to put out. Um, and you know, the cost of lumber is higher. The, the cost of real estate is high and you have to be very careful and know what you're doing. So you have to be, you know, at a time like this, you have to be very calculated. If you're doing this as a pure investment saying, I'm going to tear down and flip this house. You better know your numbers. You better know where the market's at. And, and that's a game for that's different than if you own a house and you're going to fix it up and sell it. But I'm talking about buying, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the construction industry and you're taking in 2021, deciding to, to try to flip a house and tear down and do that in short term and like time the market really short, I, you have to be very careful how you do that. And, okay. you know, make sure you have good advice from very good people because that's a lot of dollars to be playing with unless, and again, unless you have the cash and, and that's not an issue for you. But typically I would advise to be very cautious when you're looking to flip. Uh, especially if you're relying on a builder's, you know, we build for this much a square foot and you're using that as your guide to how much you're going to be able to sell for. Really understand. So I wouldn't say don't do it, but I'd say be very careful. Um, another thing is understanding where you are, like you, your restrictions, your zoning, your setbacks. Um, I have one client in North Vancouver that's right near a water course. They wanted to build new and it took me two hours to deal with the city to figure out i don't do it you're if you tear, tear down this old house you're not grandfathered the setbacks that you'd like to you're going to be in huge trouble if this house disappears tonight you can't build a new house on this property because the setbacks so understand if there's easements water courses anything that could really inhibit you from 
rebuilding in the same location is a is a big red flag. So just and so you can do a major renovation and essentially build a new house, but understand again, take that time. Uh, a custom home is a big investment. So just understand the steps you're taking before you take the next one. And what about, I mean, call it a burden, if you will. I'm sure you guys um, do everything you can to try to make it as seamless as possible for all of your clients. But going through a build, I mean, people are renting places. They're living with family. I've seen people live in travel trailers, right? And it's yeah. sometimes over a year of construction. Mm -hmm. And it's not typically completely hands-off, right? It's mm -hmm. an ongoing project that you're involved in to a certain extent, depending on who you're working with. But yeah. um have you have you seen any types of people that maybe just weren't fit for getting into a build based on personality and stress oh, yeah. levels? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I I have there's I guess two things. One would be a renovation. So some people think they can live through a renovation, and I always ask, how much do you like camping for six months? Um, because we can put up all the poly walls and give you the red carpet treatment of all the floor protection and everything, but when jackhammers are pounding the concrete in your house, it doesn't matter where you are, it's noisy. So for a renovation, some people are good sports, they work during the day, they have some flexibility, understand what the scope of work is gonna be and how that's gonna affect your life. Because you know, if, if you can live through it, we've had some families, we did a renovation last year, they had twins that were one years old and they had no other options than to live upstairs and eat in their travel trailer and they were all smiles. I think they are unbelievable. But that's not normal. So there's people when I say, how much do you like camping? They're like, don't get me started. I hate it. Don't renovate. And if you do, don't live in the house because it's going to be noisy, messy, drafty, all that stuff. And that's on a, on a best case if we make it as clean and neat as possible. When it comes to building, um, I always ask people, or, or maybe I usually try to tell people, think about the fact that you're going to be out of your house for one year. What are you going to do? Um, are you, do you have other family you can live with? Right now in the pandemic is a time and the window is closing because I think tourism at some point is going to notch back up and take up the old Airbnbs that people can get as a long-term lease right now. But people can get a long-term or you know relatively furnished lease easier than ever. When pandemic times are not around, you can't get a short-term rental. So you know if you're a family with three kids and you're budgeting to live in a one-bedroom condo for a year, think that through understand what would my life look like for 12 months living in a one bedroom condo with three kids um same with the travel trailer we can hook it up we've built decks and patios for people but you're still living in a travel trailer so understand that that's what it's going to be uh, but also understand make sure you understand with your builder what guarantees do you have when it comes to schedule because you can hear you know talk to anyone about the nightmares of budget overruns if you're not planning this thing out to the t right now and you're not working with a contractor that's going to give you a fixed schedule commitment, that 12-month lease you signed, no, you know, being guaranteed it's 12 months, could turn into an 18-month bill. That, that becomes more of a problem. So those would be kind of the, the warnings and, and advice I would give homeowners is really understand what life, think about what your life would look like doing that. That's a big one. That's a big one. I uh, definitely uh, learned a lot already, uh, Jake, in chatting with you. And I feel like there's probably uh, we could do like part two, part three, part four of uh, these conversations. But uh, we'll, we'll, we've taken up enough of your time today as far as, you know, understanding uh, the, the, the design process, understanding a little bit more about, you know, what you guys look at when it comes to the renovation side of things. That cost per square foot really stands out to me, obviously. And your explanation was spot on. Thanks for sharing that feedback. Uh, you know, Jake, again, if anybody wants to reach you at Kenora, 
Uh, what again would you suggest they do? How should they be reaching out to you right now? Yeah. So if you want to email me direct, we're not a gigantic company. I'm Jake. It's jake at Kenora.com. If you want to email me directly uh, when you're really interested in a project, but check us out, look at our website, uh, www.kenora, K-E-N-O-R-A-H.com. Um, Google us. I mean, with any contractor, we're going to be one. You should not just talk to one, talk to a few. Look at the reviews online and not just how many stars. Like with any firm you're interviewing, read reviews of any company you're going to work with and read the reviews on our company as well as anyone else. So um, you can email me, you can check out our website uh, and, and that cost per square foot. If you just have questions about that, I'd be more than happy to, to answer that as well. Hey, just one point. You're, you've been pretty active on Instagram. Where, where can they find you on Instagram? You've been doing a lot more yes. video and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the at Kenora.design.built. That's the company name. Uh, follow us. Uh, we're doing a lot more video content. We're building some cool houses right now, doing some nice, uh, pretty exciting renovations. So uh, we'd love to engage with you guys. Thanks for joining us on the show, Mr. Jake. Uh, we'll catch you again sometime soon. Thank you.